Hello and welcome to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. This podcast does contain occasional strong language and adult themes. If you are averse to spoilers for the film that is listed in the title, please tune out now, go watch the movie, or, like us, stop at the intermission, watch the movie, and resume the podcast after. Thanks for coming along on this ride with us. Please enjoy. You once said that uh, you like to make an audience scream through technical means. What is it about an audience screaming that you like? Now, those are the kind of questions uh, that the film buffs like to ask. They expect an awful lot of the sort of material that I don't tell anybody. And it was a nightmare. It was an eye-opener. Ignorance. Sheer ignorance. You know, there's no confidence equal to I don't have any problem with enjoying a big blockbuster. I'm not a fascist of those boring art movies which when they are over you are glad that they are over and then you celebrate it just as a kind of a superstitious measure i will talk about it so that i don't have to see it again or whatever so in a way our, our broadcast was an assault on the uh, credibility of that machine we wanted people to understand that they shouldn't take any opinion predigested and they shouldn't swallow everything that came through the tap we had uh, Orson Welles, Albert Hitchcock, John Ford, Howard Hawks, Roman Polanski. We had uh, Antonioni. We did, it was unbelievable time to listen to these guys talk. Hello and welcome back to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and today I am doing another solo episode. Surprise, it's me. I'm back. Um, I don't know if you can tell, but I am currently staving off a little bit of a cold here, um, so hopefully I don't sound too awful. I'm fighting it with the best medicine known to man, which is um, a combination of Orange Crush and Southern Comfort. I'll take a little sip right now of my medicine. There we go. But uh, today I wanted to do an episode for you. Um, I know that most of my solo episodes have been horror films, and this is kind of not really an exception, although it's a little bit different of a side grade. Uh, the last solo episodes that I did were Scream and The Wailing. I was going to potentially watch Memories of a Murder because I've been in a very Korean uh, thriller horror kick. Um, but instead of doing that, I wanted to take it back a little bit to another episode that we had done previously because I'm also on another kick. Uh, about giallos. What is a giallo, you may ask? Well, I'll tell you in a moment, but I'm going to read you the synopsis for this film. A jazz pianist and a wisecracking journalist are pulled into a complex web of mystery after the former witnesses the brutal murder of a psychic. It's Profundo Rosso, or Deep Red, by Dario Argento. So, this is from 1975. It's directed by Dario Argento, the director of Suspiria and The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, Opera, a um, bunch of others. So this is this is a giallo. We talked about giallos before when we did our episode on Mario Bava's Blood and Black Lace. Ever since then, I've been on kind of a kick watching it. Um, and I wanted to kind of revisit more of Argento's works that I hadn't seen. I'd only seen a few, um, namely Bird with the Crystal Plumage. I rewatched that recently. It was very good. Um, Suspiria, I watched not that long ago again. And one of the other things, too, that's kind of driving me to do this is that Argento 
is actually releasing a new film this year and it looks like it's going to be more of a traditional bloody like you know hyper violent giallo called uh ochiali niri um and that's kind of sent me into this kick of you know kind of maybe going and watching more giallos just in general or argentos so what what is a is a giallo well i'm, I'm gonna read you a little bit of a um a post here uh, and I'm, then i'm gonna do a little bit of just reading through trivia on this before i go into it but in the the telegram group chat that we have for the movies we've never seen podcast um it's currently closed it's just me and the people who record this to coordinate times i posted a trailer for ochali neri and I'm going to read you the transcript. Is this considered a giallo, or however you spell that? I've seen at least one Shaolin, so I believe that makes me pretty much an expert on G-Olive movies. Yes, I believe this would qualify as a jello film. What is a giallo film? I've never seen it written down, but I'm pretty sure that just translates to yellow. Pushes up nerd glasses. Yes, you are correct. It is... A specifically Italian genre of film that is a mixture of slasher and mystery, usually following a black-gloved killer and some outsider, usually a young woman, foreigner, or a private eye. They can be supernatural, but are usually not, and focus more on the stalking and paranoia, more so than the mystery. Examples include Blood and Black Lace, Suspiria, Bird with the Crystal Plumage, Cat of Nine Tails, The Forbidden Photos of a Lady Above Suspicion, etc. The term derives from a series of cheap paperback mysteries and crime thriller novels with yellow covers that were popular in Italy. Dario Argento is considered a the question mark master of the genre, but it is not exclusive to him as others like Lucio Fulci and Mario Bava, among others, are famous for them. De Palma's body double and dressed to kill are often counted as giallo or at least heavily giallo-inspired films. Verhoeven's basic instinct is counted as a very giallo-styled American film as well nerd anyway that's uh that's the transcript from the from the chat there um the pushes up glasses moment that was mine um so that's kind of what a giallo is like it's it's got slasher elements it's got mystery elements and it's usually very voyeuristic there's not a lot of there's sort of a plot but usually the tension derives more from the act of stalking than it does from anything else, more so than the actual storyline itself. So I'm going to go into a little bit of trivia here for Deep Red before uh, I go to the other side here. So some of this is kind of interesting. So apparently the close-up shots of the killer's hands clad in black leather gloves, aha, there we go, we're off to a good start already, this does have a black gloved killer, were performed by director Dario Argento himself. Oh, okay, so he's he's killing people. Uh, ooh, this is fun. After the international success of Dario Argento's next film, Suspiria, 1997, or 1977, Profundo Rosso was released in Japan under the title Suspiria 2, even though it has no plot connections to Suspiria and was made two years prior to it. That's actually kind of funny. Um, the role of Carlo's male transvestite lover, Massimo Ricci, was played by actress Geraldine Hooper. Okay, okay, this is going to be interesting. According to Dario Argento, the deep red script was more than 500 pages long. 
When his father, Salvatore Argento, and his brother, Claudio Argento, read the script, they were shocked at its length. They were afraid the audience wouldn't understand what Dario Argento's intentions were. They thought parts of it were almost too cryptic, so Dario shortened it to 231 pages. I have no clue what the average length of a script is, but I feel like that's even 321 is heinously long. That seems, that seems very long. Uh, let's see. Ooh, director trademark. Murder victim crashes through the window. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, I think most most of these that I've seen Argento do, there's someone or something crashing through a window. Um, ooh, the film was originally titled La Tigre di Adenti a Schiabola. I think that's how you say it. Uh, Schiabola, S-C-I-A-B-O-L-A. I know there's at least one person in my audience who will know exactly how to pronounce that. Uh, but it's the saber-toothed tiger, following the naming pattern of Dario Argento's previous thrillers. However, much to Argento's annoyance, other directors had started using similar animal-related titles for their own genre films so he decided to go a different direction it's kind of funny it's like it's sort of the meme from for giallos where it's like you know you always have to have an animal in it and you always have to have like some weird long like adjectives um and like verbs like you know there's the bird with the crystal plumage there's the um the cat of nine tails there's all sorts of other things um i should have had a list pulled up to read some of them off of there but they're they're beautifully come like long titles i'm a sucker for anything with like a long weird title and so that's maybe one of the reasons why i'm drawn to giallos because they just have odd titles that in some cases do but a lot of cases don't have anything to do with the movie um the bird with the crystal plumage i guess maybe some spoilers here although vaguely it's really not that much of a spoiler is sort of the name is sort of the MacGuffin of the film, but it really comes at the end. So like, there's really no, you're already kind of invested in this movie when that happens. So whatever. Um, let's see. David Hemmings and Daria Nicolodi released, rehearsed the arm wrestling scene over 70 times, driving Argento, who doesn't like to repeat things too many times, crazy in the process. Okay, that's interesting. Because I, I always got the feeling that Argento was very much a perfectionist. At least from like the little interviews that I had heard from Argento, um, when he has been, because he's been, or Suspiria recently went through a 4K restoration that took a very long time, and Argento is very much like, no, this is the intention of it. We have to slow things down. We have to like make sure that all the colors are right. It's very funny to me that Argento is not necessarily like he's sort of a one and done guy, I guess, based on this trivia, um, or at least like he's more minimal. That's kind of funny um, that he was driven crazy in the process. Let's see, oh, production began on nine nine seventy four and took ten weeks. All right, so it wasn't that that long of a film. To I guess that's probably average ten weeks. I mean, that's longer than I think. That's um, you know three months, three, three, a little over three months. Um, so I'm, I'm very much interested to see how this one goes because all of the, I feel like giallos in general, the more I'm watching them, the more I'm sort of seeing that they're very much a genre like Kung Fu, or as long as they sort of do some interesting kills, 
keep me at least kind of invested. I, I almost watch them more from a perspective of maybe they're not great movies in general, but they're at least interesting films with a different sort of spin on a genre that you don't see every day. And that's kind of why I look at them sort of in the same light as Kung Fu films, where they're sort of like just sort of a, a weird base, like baseline to them where it's like, you know, I haven't seen a bad Giallo yet, but I haven't seen any that have just completely wowed me. My, my only one that I would say is probably above is, I mean, Bird with the Crystal Plumage, I would say is probably like a 3.5, somewhere in there. Um, I can't remember what I rated Mario Bava's um, Blood and Black Lace, but it was probably somewhere around a 3. Um, I would say Cat of Nine Tails, probably in that 3-ish range. Um, Suspiria has been sort of the only one that's been higher than that, but that's more of a supernatural horror, which it has all of the other giallo hallmarks. It just has a supernatural killer instead of a black-gloved killer. Um, so this is sort of one of those genres I have feeling as I'm, I'm getting into it more, that it is just sort of very entertaining for me. And if you like that sort of, not necessarily the story, not necessarily the ride, not even really the characters. I mean, you're really seeing essentially, I mean, they're not even character studies. They've got characters who are interjected into these situations, usually foreigners or someone else who are interjected into this very Italian sort of situation, generally speaking, and then they go through and you see their sort of, not really growth as a character throughout the film, but sort of their reaction to what's happening around them because they that's what they're doing. They're reacting. This, move, this movie type is very voyeuristic. A lot of times you see it from the perspective of the killer. That's sort of an Argento thing to do as far as I'm aware. And so it's a very unique way of looking at a film. And I, I like it. I don't, I don't think that anyone would really necessarily... It's not for everyone. I know giallos are kind of weird. They, they sometimes definitely have sappy acting in them or odd sort of like cheesy acting of the time. But it's uh, it's very interesting. I'm very interested to see how this one goes. So I guess with that said, I think that this is, I just get the feeling this is going to be, it's not going to wow me. Um, this is not one of the ones that are sort of, as far as I'm aware, really in like Argento's pantheon of like his best films. Although a lot of people are very cult-like about Argento. So a lot of people say good things about it. I've heard people say good things about it. So what I'm going to say is I'm going to say this is I'm, I'm probably going to actually think this one's maybe not quite as good as the other ones like Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Um, I'm going to say this is probably like a 2.5. This is going to be on the low end for me. I don't know why I just get that feeling that it's going to have... I don't know, just maybe it's not going to, I'm not going to get it. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, I just have a feeling that this one's not going to be as good. I don't know. Um, but I think as long as the kills are fun, the suspense is built up in those like sort of moments of tension, um, it's at least going to be not bad. But I think that maybe this one, because there is sort of that meandering, like, Argento had to cut it down from 500 pages to 300 and some, and there's probably some things left out. Even if they were cryptic things, it's going to be a bit weird. So, um, and, and I like cryptic movies, but sometimes when you cut that much out of a script, you know, or a story, it's you you lose things, right? Or at least the, the auteurs and the author's intention. So I think it's going to be a perfectly okay movie, but we'll see.
So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and watch this. Thank you for um, bearing with me and my cold. And if you do enjoy the Movies You've Never Seen podcast, go share it with somebody, rate and review us on iTunes, all that good stuff. Um, if you do think someone else you know would like it, share it with them. That's that's all I ask. Um, and if you do like this podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at MWNSpodcast um, on the twitter.coms. So uh, we post there relatively re- uh, frequently. Um, I need to get back to posting more. I used to post a little bit more but and interact, but if more people follow me, I probably will. So thank you, and we'll see you on the other side. I can feel death in this room. A presence. You have killed, and you will kill again. The murder is a schizophrenic paradox. Anyone who kills with such frenzy surely does it in a state of temporary madness. And when he kills, he must recreate these specific conditions. What was that? I saw a man in a brown raincoat walking away from the building. You're doing messing around with this business anyway. I told you to stay out of it. What is it? Didn't you hear that? There's somebody in the house absolutely trying to kill me. If you hadn't stuck your damn nose in it all. What I saw was a reflection in a mirror. I saw the face of the murderer. Hello and welcome back to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and I just got back from watching Dario Argento's Deep Red, or Profundo Rosso, uh, as it is in the Italian. And it was, I think, a lot better looking and more slick. Maybe more so what I would call more visually giallo than anything, like all of the visuals in this were a lot more pronounced, a lot more what I associate with sort of, you know, when I think of a giallo, like um, I follow a few accounts um, on Twitter that are uh, a lot of dedicated to just like posting screenshots of like giallos and stuff. I actually remember seeing a lot of screenshots from this. um, And even though I haven't seen a lot of them, this very much felt or looked like what I imagine a giallo to look like, more so than a lot of the other ones that I've seen. That said, it kind of really drug in the middle a lot. I liked the opening. The opening was really good, sort of setting up this um, weird psychic. Um, You know, it set up this kind of odd world where, you know, this lady who demonstrably has psychic powers basically spots a criminal in the audience and she gets killed and it's kind of interesting in that the whole movie and it's a very giallo thing i guess at least of the ones i've seen where a lot of stuff happens but nothing really happens right i mean this movie it set up this it had this really good setup 
and then it just did nothing for like about an hour <laughs> uh other than setting up a few characters setting up kind of an odd weird romance that the only thing that i kind of thought was the point of the romance was to sort of interject this woman into the scenario who was clearly just as strong as the the main male lead who is you know the the character of marcus daly played by david hemmings um so basically Gianna, who was the reporter the journalist who sort of interjected herself fell in love all of that stuff i i kind of had a suspicion that she might be it kind of threw doubt every once in a while at you but you were never really sure if it was going to be someone you you had seen uh, in the end it ended up being you know carlo's mother um uh, marcus's friend carlo uh, apparently i guess uh, Carlo's mother at one point she had maybe been having a mental break she murdered Carlo's father and basically hid it and then they moved away and to protect Carlo she basically had been committing some murder so that none of this information ever got out but realistically I mean that's a, it's a fairly simple plot but it drags on for so long I can see I feel like there were some things that I missed and that might be just simply because there was a lot cut out of the original script like I mentioned in the first half that this was a 500 page script pared down to like I think it was 320 or something like that. Um, it really felt like there were things missing but at the same time it felt like there was a lot that happened that really just didn't need to happen. That said a lot of it looked like it looked good like the i like argento's style where he really does take that sort of like first person perspective of the killer and then sort of that voyeuristic look and make it in such a way that it is very it doesn't feel cheesy right i think that another movie that had done this before um and i'd send to watch them on the podcast um but black christmas and also um the original John Carpenter's Halloween, they both have first-person perspectives in them, but they all feel more, I'm not going to say bad, but they just don't feel as good, right? I think Argento really does master that voyeurism that you have there and that perspective from, like, you're not sure if it's the killer, it's, it's indicated that the killer is present, but it's not always that. Sometimes it's sort of a fake out. I think he's really good at doing that. And this movie really shows that he's good at doing that. Versus like Carpenter, who at the beginning of Halloween has this big, long sort of first person perspective of the murder. It's it's too fast. It feels cheesy. It doesn't feel real. Versus, you know, and then also like Black Christmas where there's some first person perspective, which is maybe a little bit better. It feels a little bit more real, but it sort of feels surreal. This feels, Argento makes you feel like you are in the situation and you are the killer. Um, or you're looking from the killer's eyes versus we are clearly not the killer. And I think that's maybe a big hallmark. Of, of at least Argento's work and maybe more Giallo's in general because it seemed like Bava did that as well. Uh, Mario Bava in, when I watched uh, Blood and Black Lace, you can go back and check out that episode if you haven't. But realistically, I mean, this movie was, it was good looking and it had some good kills. It didn't really ratchet up the suspense until sort of the end when 
you know, you weren't really sure what the mystery was that this guy was trying to solve. Like, you know, essentially, the reporter does a story, and he puts his face on the front page, and he's now the target of the murderer because, oh, this guy knows who the murderer is. He's the star witness. So she is inadvertently or advertently put his life in danger, which is, um, you know, that could have all been avoided in the first place um, and whatnot. But I, I guess my big contention with this is that through the whole middle of the movie, and I wasn't expecting there to be like a really good sort of mystery or follow-up to it, is that there just, it just felt like there was nothing happening. And it, it, it was... It was a very beautifully shot nothing that happened for a very long time where you had, you didn't really have a lot of character development. You just had some characters doing things in this situation, which again, I think I mentioned in the first half is kind of what a giallo is um, or part of it, but this just felt like it went too long, right? You had this really good opening scene. You had this really sort of good, satisfying ending and you had a couple of really good, gruesome sort of kills at the end, which were which were really good, honestly. I think they were well done, especially the, man, the scene where Carlo, poor Carlo, I feel bad for him because, I mean, he was just trying to, like, maybe protect his mom at the end because he probably found out what happened and everything. But Carlo, like, he gets, you know, he gets hit by a, tr- sideswiped by a truck after he gets shot at by the police and then he gets basically dragged to death until, or almost to death, and then his head gets run over and exploded. I mean, that was a, that was a, it was a very well done scene. I just felt bad for him, but um, I think they could have put a little bit more emphasis on certain bits of the mystery, and I think that's where a lot of more of the cryptic imagery that Argento was sort of he had cut out because again. This movie was had a lot of it cut out because, you know, there's a lot of stuff that was confusing and whatnot. And and again, I, I hadn't I haven't seen the script. I haven't seen the original script. I don't know what it looks like. But it feels like there was a lot more that could have been put in that middle bit other than just like, you know, hey, Marcus and Gianna are kind of doing like maybe they're a couple, maybe she's odd or a little bit sus, but it just felt like there was not a lot going on. Like it was kind of fun. But I found myself losing interest until sort of the bit where, you know, you know they're going to leave for, for Spain, right? Gianna and Marcus are going to leave for Spain because Marcus or Mark is basically like, um, you know, hey, I'm there's nothing I can do. I'm going to be pinned for these murders because I'm an idiot and I went to these crime scenes and, you know, didn't, you know, it looks like I'm the murderer, right? And so... They're going to move to, they're going to go to Spain and run away with each other. All well and good. At that point, that's where the movie kind of like picks up again and I get interested. Because up before that, like, there's the whole thing with the, I wasn't even sure where that like big mansion was coming from. Like he followed these clues that were just like, what are these clues from? There really was never any sort of through lines. And maybe I missed some things. I don't know. But it just felt like that whole middle part was lacking in sort of like any kind of substance. Like I wanted a little bit more. Again, I kind of assumed that that was going to be the case. But for the most part, I mean, it was a it was a fun, fun sort of slasher film. I, I, and again, maybe there sh- could have been more slashing. But I think the movie was very like good looking enough. And it had a lot of like slick camera work. I think it told more of the story visually than it did sort of 
through story. And I think that's really what a lot of the giallos are, especially maybe these later Argentos um, that you start getting into, because this is a couple years before Suspiria. Um, this felt very similar to that in a, at least the look, more so than like the bird with the crystal plumage. This one felt a lot more, you know, weird and out there, you know, symbolism, imagery, sort of, you know, the close-ups of all these like, you know, almost voodoo dolls and dolls that are be that are hanging and stuff. Um, it was very, it was very good looking. So I would definitely watch this one again. I mean, it wasn't a bad movie. It was just, it was a very pretty movie that had a really good beginning and a really good ending. And it just sort of fell flat in the middle for me. And maybe that was just due to its length. Maybe that was honestly due to Argento not really focusing so much on the plot of the mystery. It could have been anything. And it could have just been that he cut so much out to save space that maybe maybe the me as the audience goer versus someone who's sitting in a theater in Italy in, you know, the 1970s is, you know, the attention span of the people going there. I mean, they're sitting there for two hours anyway. Like, that's a long time to sit in a movie theater versus in the comfort of your own home, you know, on a weekend or something like that. So I, I get, you know, cutting stuff down and whatnot for a, an audience, but I think it would have maybe made more sense to have more of that in, uh, information in there. But that said, the other thing that I will say um, is that the music in this, I didn't realize um, at the very least, um, and let me just double check here because I believe uh, cast and crew, I think it said at the beginning that the music was done by Goblin, the prog rock band. Let's see. It was uh, credited as Giorgio Gaslini uh, and Goblin. So Goblin did do some of the music for this. See, who's Giorgio Gaslini? Uh, he was born, blah, 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 blah. He's known for his work on Deep Red, La Notte, Love. Okay, he doesn't really say a lot about him. Um, but Goblin is credited as doing some music for this. So it did remind me, it did give me that sort of Suspiria feel, and I can see now why, um, you know, they marketed this too as Suspiria, you know, in Japan, a Suspiria too, just simply because it has a very similar feel and it has a very similar soundtrack. Like the soundtrack went hard in this movie. This was a very good soundtrack. And I think that's the only thing that kind of kept me in the middle bits. Like, you know, the music was creating the tension. And that's a lot of, at least every Giallo that I've seen so far, the music carries these movies forward in parts where otherwise it would just be, you know, unfortunate. I think there were some also some choppy bits at the very beginning where they were doing the intro and you could see sort of the the initial murder that happened that caused all of this to, to set off. It was kind of abrupt. Um, I think that could have been maybe transitioned better. Um, there's, it definitely was not a slick transition, but after that point, I think everything else was good. I think that was maybe shoehorned in there a little bit. Uh, otherwise this is a very, uh, good movie in general, but not very good. I think it was pass. It was, it was overall a passable movie. I, I enjoyed it. I think there were some very good moments in it. There were, um, some, amazingly good camera shots and also too the more i'm seeing these giallos the more i'm really seeing the themes there is that you know hey 
these murders really aren't like there's no sort of a uh, surprise twist ending i guess this one kind of had a slight surprise twist it was more of a reveal than a twist of anything it would have been a twist if like um you know uh uh giovanna or gianna would have been the killer that would have been like a twist but otherwise this was just a reveal of a murderer and like they always sort of had this emphasis on yeah this psychopath it's just some it's just some maniac out there it's just some sex lunatic and i always find that really funny that like you know in the, in the west a lot of times you know especially like you know with the hercule poirots and stuff like that where it's like oh you have a motive i will find it uh, i'm going to go through all of these people and i will find the explanation and do a a big reveal at the end and it's going to shock everyone that sort of traditional i guess sort of european like northern european american style um mystery where you have that sort of big reveal where it's someone who knows everyone and is like involved and you know oh there's a slight twist at the end no it's just no carlo's mom was a psychopath the whole time and carlo kind of was suffering from a lot of delusions too so he was probably caught up in that it's just yes these are psychopaths like rational human beings don't do this we're not going to make excuses they're just maniacs um and i feel like that's also reflected too weirdly enough in the way that the police handle these because in all of the jellos that i've seen so far most of the time the police are just sort of like they're not overly suspicious of anyone generally speaking they have like the same suspicion of everyone right but they're not overly like you know these protagonists are like um like in this and bird with a crystal plumage um you know uh and blood and black lace i think cat of nine tails too has this but basically all of these ones that i have seen so far have just have these policemen who are just all right we're going to be suspicious of everyone we're going to take your passports we're going to take your name we're going to take you down to the station but then you can just do have carte blanche to do anything you want because guess what we know that you probably didn't do it because you're not a psychopath. You seem like a reasonable guy or a reasonable woman. And I find it just so funny that that's sort of reflected in this because really Mark or Marcus or Mark, I believe, um, basically in this movie, like, yes, if this was a Western mystery thriller, he would have been the, he would have been put, he would have had his ass put in jail multiple times, right? Um, whereas in this, it's like, nah, you're, you're a reasonable guy. You're a pianist. You, you're teaching at a conservatory. Like you've got a stable job, whatever. You're fine. You're not a low life, which I find hysterical because it, it kind of is the whole psyche of these movies where they're, they're just delving into the mind of a psychopath, like a maniac of some kind. And then you've got a slight elements like the Hitchcockian sort of wrong man idea that you have is not really present here. But there's like just a very slight bit of that, right? There's like just little hints here and there where it's like, oh, I'm paranoid because they're going to think I'm the killer. I mean, it's it's a really funny sort of concept. And I definitely want to continue visiting this and see just if that just carries over to all giallos in this like style of like Italian thriller. Because, yeah, 100% these movies just the protagonist has this weird carte blanche where it's like they're not you never really feel like you know um you carry grant's character in north by northwest right he has you know he has to run away from the police 
Like, you know, Roger Thornhill has to run away from, you know, these spies that are chasing him because, you know, you've, you've got the wrong man. Like, he's mistaken for a government agent. And he's, like, the whole time, the whole point of that movie, like, the whole, like, the thrill of it is that he's running away. In the giallos that I've seen, like, there's no... There's no danger presented or, or very little danger presented to the characters, like especially like you're not showing them in danger ever other than from the killer, right? The police don't present an obstacle, like a present obstacle other than the fact that if I get, you know, if I get framed for this, I'm going to go down. Like, and that's all it's ever mentioned of it. And I find that very funny. And it's sort of maybe it, maybe that's why these are so unique to, they feel unique to me because that's not really a trope that we have here in sort of more Western cinema. I guess Italian cinema is kind of Western, but basically the, the non-Italian sort of mysteries, right? The more Anglo-centric mysteries like the Hitchcock style um, noirs. There's that ever-present danger of, if I'm mistaken, I'm going to be taken in by the police. So not only do I have the threat of a killer on the loose who might want to kill me, but there's also the police or spies or the government agency trying to get at me, right? I There's really not a huge emphasis on that here. I mean, it's mentioned as throwaway lines, right? But it's not an emphasis, whereas the other ones, it's more forward. Uh, like, again, in this giallo, it's like, no, the, the, only, the, the only danger was ever was just the killer in this movie. And, and that's kind of funny. And it's, it's more of a, the more I'm looking at these, the more it really is just a, an exploration into the psyche of madmen what it is so i guess with that said i'm not going to drone on too long i like the beginning the beginning was great i wish that the middle had more substance to it and also i wish that they did more stuff with like the psychic like the psychic was a very fun sort of whimsical addition where it's like yeah this lady is just an actual psychic but anyway that said soundtrack rocked there were some cool kills the visuals were amazing um, it was a very good perspective from a maniac's point of view. He drug a little bit in the middle. Um, I would say this is probably like a, it's a three. I'd watch it. At, I'd maybe watch it again at some point, maybe to see. Um, it might end up being at some point, maybe like a 3.5. You know what? No, I'll give it a 3.5. I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up to a 3.5. It was fun. Um, I would watch it again, you know, maybe in the right context with someone else. Uh but this was definitely like a, it was a fun movie. Uh, it was maybe a little overly long. I could have stood with, you know, uh, being a little bit shorter or having more substance, but whatever. I'll, I'll say it's a 3.5. This was, it was good. It was um, better than average. So with that being said, uh, I'm going to leave you uh, there. Um, tune in, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I'll have some more guest episodes. Um, one, maybe special guest coming up who knows but um i guess with that said we'll see you in the next one peace and i wonder if it really was i think it was always was show business i think they were pretending to be factories and it was still show business i heard myself speaking these terrible corny lines and there i was stuck with three hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of show and i had to get on somehow plus at the time Oh, they were real jerks. Plus, plus, at the time, really pieces of work. Plus, plus, at the time. Did you see Armageddon? I assure you that I would rather have been shot.
plus plus at the time. Did you see Armageddon? I assure you that I would rather have been shot. I really did because he was a monster. But they all were, or almost all of them, those guys. He came on as a monster, you know. He snarled at you, you know, like that. Plus, plus at the time. He was a monster, you know, like that. Plus, plus at the time. I assure you that I would rather have been shot. Follow us on Twitter at MWNS Podcast or contact us at MWNS Podcast at ProtonMail.com. All music used in this episode is produced by Young Carts and used with license. <laughs>